Ah, greetings. Care for a story? One of heroes and villains? Of swords and sorcery? Of romance and treachery? We'll pull up a chair and have a listen. Hi, and welcome to the RPG Show. My name's Brent. I'm your host. This is the show we rate, review, and talk about RPGs. This is another one of those non-review episodes in which we just talk about whatever we feel like. And with me today, I have, as per the usual, two fellas. First up, we have the Sultan of Superlatives, the Admiral of Adjectives, Glenn Landrum. How you doing, buddy? Holy alliteration, Batman. <laughs> you're an idiot. I hope you know you're an idiot. Do you know you're an idiot? I know. All right, well, good. Well, the other person, a bit of a surprise. We have the crown prince of collecting, the Raja of Retro, the host of Is It Worth It, Retro Kel, everybody. How you doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Senior Nicholas had a uh, bit of a hot day tonight, so we're going to pull in Retro Kel here and uh, have a bit of fun tonight. So, um, I have a little bit of a thing planned for a little bit later, but first, we're going we're gonna to talk to... Talk to Mr. Retro for a minute. See, uh, sure. ask him some questions. Make him feel all important and whatnot, because that's what we do. All right. So, man, um, how long have you been playing? I know you've been playing video games a long time, because, like, you're... Why don't you go ahead and tell us, uh, for those that don't know, but I'm sure most everybody listening to this show also listens to your show, because oh, why would they not? Um, what your show is and what it's about. Um, sure. Yeah, I have a short podcast I do. It's kind of an offshoot of the retro RPG podcast. It's called Is It Worth It? And the idea behind that is uh, I review a game that's worth an exponential amount of money, typically things that are $50 to $500 uh, that I actually own in my own collection, because as you said, I am a collector. And um, I play it and tell you whether or not I feel it's worth its eBay price. All right. All right. It. So, um, and... He's got an excellent show, everybody. So does, so does uh, Derek and Don, the host of the Retro RPG podcast. That's also a really good show. Um, I recommend both of them. Yeah, just recommend both of them. I don't know, really. I don't know where I was yeah. going with that. Um, but so we know you've been playing video games for a long time. What was your first uh, foray into the RPG sort of genre? And there goes the train, oh. our, always our ever-present fourth Oh. Uh, virtually, yeah, it's it's always been present for the most part. Uh, I first got introduced to an RPG in the fifth grade, so that puts it at about 1991, because I'm old as hell. And um, used to, if you were a uh, member of Nintendo Power and you uh, bought a 12-month subscription, they would give you things in the mail sometimes, mm -hmm. and... Whereas my family was poor and couldn't afford it, a very good friend of mine did have a subscription, and one year they gave him a copy of Dragon Warrior. And he, not liking the game, let me borrow it indefinitely, and um, I played that and would daily kind of come to school and, and update him on, you know, hey, I got the Copper Club or whatever the fuck, and, you know, he kind of 
didn't care, but whatever. And I, and I actually played through the whole thing and beat it. And then, you know, after that, I searched for additional titles that were, uh, basically along the same lines. At that point, I believe Dragon Warrior 2 and 3 were also out. The Ultima series, Final Fantasy 1 was out at that time. And I just kind of glommed on those things and I've never really looked back. Now, I do have a somewhat long-winded story that also is reminiscent of, a. Dragon Warrior one, or it reminds me of it. If you want to hear it, but it really oh, goes man. nowhere. So. I love I love stories that go nowhere. If you haven't listened to the show before, we have long winded bits that go nowhere and have no payoff. So I'd love to hear your your long winded story that goes nowhere. Yeah. So um, Dragon Warrior both is will forever be loved by me for being the first RPG that I I played through and actually yeah as I said beat myself with you know no internet cuz that was basically non-existent back then mm-hmm. but also because the year after I beat it in the 6th grade I changed schools to a uh, a town like one over that was basically devoid of anything. It's one of these towns that if you blink you'll miss it. It consists of a uh, post office and a gas station and my graduating class would be about 30 and uh, so very small and most of the kids there were very backwoods um i recall you could bring knives to school and things like that so you literally had like armed children a very very strange backwoodsy type of place and as such i didn't make very many friends so it was a surprise to me one day when a young man invited me to his birthday party his name was kenneth and old kenny uh had never really talked to me before so i kind of at first thought well, this is going to be one of those deals that, uh, you know, he invites me to his birthday party and they make fun of me and they're going to kick the shit out of me or something because, you know, I was looked at as an outsider, you know, speaking somewhat intelligently and whatnot, in this, uh, as I said, backwards school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I go to the house. My mom drops me off out front. It's kind of a dilapidated home and they meet me outside. And if my mother had seen the inside of this home, she would have immediately just grabbed me up and uh, took me home and we would never have spoke of it because when you walked indoors – there was just clothing and trash, you know, piled up on the floor a couple feet deep. There were literally holes in the wall where you could see into other rooms. And in fact, if you wish to, you could jump right through these holes in the sheet rock oh. and go into the other room. Like, like my uncle's house. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, there was a lady that, uh, apparently she had like eight kids. Right. And I was evidently the only kid that got invited to the quote unquote birthday party outside of these other children she had, and um, so for entertainment, she hands Kenneth and I a $1 food stamp note and informs us that we can go to the local aforementioned uh, convenience store, buy a piece of gum for three cents, and then use that change to rent a movie. And uh, we do so, and we rent just about the worst movie in existence, truth or dare. If you haven't seen it, don't. But uh, we bring it back, and when we come back, his sister, who I haven't mentioned, but his oldest sister was about 18 and about 250 pounds, had to be close to six feet tall, Ooh, okay. is playing Dragon Warrior. Oh. And, and she's at the very last stages of this game, and she's just walking around in circles and um, gaining levels. And I, I noticed that she's like in level 31, 32, something like that, which is, if you've played the first game, that is well beyond what you have to be to beat the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said, I'd make the mistake of saying, Oh, dragon warrior. I know I've, I've played through that. And she freaks out. Oh, you know how to beat it. Uh, yeah, I do. And I spend the next hour showing her how to beat it. And I beat the dragon Lord and, uh, say, okay, uh, we want to watch this movie now if that's okay. And, uh, she says, no, I want to do it. 
I said, okay, that's cool. Maybe you can do it later. And uh, it's at this point that I learn just how those holes in the wall came to be. She picks me up and throws me through the sheetrock. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just fall into a pile of trash. Kenneth jumps on her back and is hitting her. You leave my friend alone, you know. And I'm just like, okay, this is not a place I really want to be. The mother doesn't do anything to break it up. Um, she ends up playing it, uh, beating it, and then we're allowed to watch the uh, aforementioned terrible movie. So not a great experience, but one that I will forever associate with Dragon Warrior. So. That's, that's an yeah, amazing story. And I well, think... Uh, I would I would beg to differ on the truth or dare. Now I've never seen it, but have you ever watched the movie Monkey Shines? Because if you've seen I, Monkey Shines, then that's possibly the worst movie in existence. I could actually go on for the entirety of this podcast about why Truth or Dare is the worst movie ever made. Um, my wife did find me a copy. I own one of the five hundred pressed DVDs of the movie. Uh, it, it is truly truly something to see. Uh, well, now I, now I have to watch it, but that's a, that's that's a discussion for another show and another time. Okay, sure. we'd be way off track on that one. But no, that's that's an incredibly interesting story, and I'm gonna be a little honest here. I had a little uh, little mo because you make a solo show for those that don't know. You don't have any co-hosts yeah. or anything. And for a second there, like I forgot that I was hosting a show, and I just thought I was working on my computer listening to a podcast. That's that's yeah. what happened because I I had like tabbed over to a window and I started typing something in another uh, show notes for another thing and I was like wait a second well sorry I have to about I, that. no 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 I'm not saying that I was not <laughs> I was not paying attention to your story because like I was because that's what I, like I have to multitask in order to do sure. anything as uh, I think a lot of people like us do we have to multitask to function on some sort of level. Um, but I know that's 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 really that's that's a weird memory to have associated with Dragon Warrior. Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, I never talked to that kid again. Obviously, uh, we did not become friends or anything like that. And uh, uh, it sounds like you maybe you should talk to his sister again. So if you need you're, like my bodyguard situation there, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Iron shut. But all right. So what would you say your favorite RPG is? It's it's hard to say, you know. I'm I'm a big fan of the Suikoden series. I love Lunar. It holds a special place in my heart. Um, all the Final Fantasies, although some are obviously better than others. Earthbound. Uh, it, there, there's really no favorite. I mean, every good RPG has something I like about it. So it's kind of hard for me to definitively say that one. But my favorite game is uh, Snatcher for the Sega CD. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Snatcher. All right. Cool. Now, have you ever played any tabletop RPGs? Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I played a lot, or I wouldn't say a lot, I played um, Dungeons & Dragons 3rd uh, Edition for mm -hmm. a couple of years with some friends of mine, and that was fun, and uh, I currently play, and I don't know if it can be considered an RPG or not, but uh, Magic the Gathering, and I've been playing that for some 22 years, something like that. So Yeah, I, I, I was I was in a Magic the Gathering for a, a while myself. I just, that's a, that's a hobby I can't afford to keep. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous sometimes. I, I look over at my cards, which I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Cube, like mm -hmm. Magic Cube. It's a yeah. 
if you're not familiar with it, don't worry about it. But basically, I have this collection of cards that is specifically designed for a certain format. And the worth of just those, say, 500 cards could easily pay for my car and my house payments mm-hmm. for the next, I don't know, five years. So, yeah, I think yeah. I think um, my I finally said I had enough when uh, this was probably maybe what, what came after Ravnica, not Ravnica. Um, what was the what was the one with vampires? Uh, oh, Innistrad. Innistrad. Yeah, it came yeah. right after Innistrad block. So whatever the block after that was, I was um, I was basically done because I looked at my collection and I had been playing since like pre Cold Snap, like like oh, yeah. third edition, third yeah whatever. So I mean, I just I had so many boxes and then like I kept every time I you know because like I have this neuroses about organizing things like that. So every time something would leave um, standard format, I would have to then organize it into my other stock of cards and the very elaborate mm-hmm. organize, organizational method that nobody understood but me. And it just, like, I think one day, like, I was I was putting in, um, oh, man, I think I had had a box of, what was it? It, it might have been, like, Shards of Alara that I hadn't, like, organized yet. And it took me half a day. To get it like in with the rest yeah. of my collection, and I was like, "This is too much. This is too much." Like I'm spending a hundred to two hundred dollars on new cards every time, like every other month, and it just, what am I doing? I couldn't do yeah. it. it. It's ridiculous, that's for sure. But it, if you quit during Innistrad and you still have your cards, I'd advise you to look through them. There are a few cards from that set in particular that are uh, up well over a hundred dollars now. So. Um, I think I forfeited most of my uh my collection to um. The guy Daniel that was on our first tabletop session, um, okay. he still plays Magic: The Gathering really heavily. Like he's at F and M every Friday, and you know he'd get better. He got better use out of the cards than I ever would. So I was just like, take it. And like he still he goes and does you know double headed events and all that kind of stuff all the time. He's constantly asking me to go, and I'm like, no, I'm done. Plus, you know our uh, our local comic shop isn't necessarily the friendliest of places. Sure. sure. So. But no, yeah. yeah, magic, and I could, I would consider like it depends on how you play it. I would consider magic, um, sort of like a role playing experience because the way that the game is set up is sure. that it's not necessarily like other trading card games that you can play where you are specifically the character, and what you're putting on the battlefield are essentially spells that you are yourself casting, you know, and it's right. I don't know. It, it's very close. There's certainly, in the very least, parallel to role-playing games. So, yeah. yeah, there's definitely parallels. So, I guess my next question would be, what sort of made you start recording a show and putting it on the interwebs? Well, uh, it's less of me stepping forward and everyone else stepping back, I think. Um, Derek and Don put out, like, a call to anyone that would uh, answer it, you know, hey, we're looking for someone to fill some time on our show. And I believe I was the only or one of the only people that responded to it. And as such, you know, I got the gig. Uh, But what made me want to do it was, you know, I've been collecting for some, I don't know, 25 years, all these games. You know, I've got uh, 3,000 plus games, 47 different systems, I think, you know. And I, I guess I wanted a reason to own them other than they look pretty and I play them, you know, like maybe share some of my experiences with yeah. these games and some of the ones especially that other people don't get to play. 
that's yeah and that's that's and i think that's a that's a good reason as any is is anytime you have something you want to just you just want to talk about even if you're talking into the ether that this sort of thing that we do is a good medium for that um for sure and and i honestly did like especially the first few episodes i really felt like i really was just talking to myself and a lot of times when i'm recording because i am a solo podcaster it does feel that way um but i've gotten just tremendous feedback from a lot of these people and i i was fortunate enough to kind of piggyback off of derek and don having a already established uh mm-hmm. podcast yeah. and, and so i already had an audience of you know five thousand or more so that was that was really good yeah that's i mean it helps because this is a you know like podcasting is a there is it is a large uh expanse of things to listen to and it's easy oh, to get sure. it's easy to get overlooked even when you are as niche as say our shows are because our shows are very niche like oh, for sure. without for sure. a doubt so but um yeah and i think i think the solo show works really well for especially what you do because uh you know it's sort of your show is sort of your experience with a very particular title and how you assign value to it and i don't know if it would work as well with like a like a multiple host situation, whereas, you know, say Derek and Don or even our show, it's sort of um, the point is to get varying opinions on it and assign uh, an object, or well, at least for us, assign a, an objective or not even just some rating to it and sort of so we can look back ourselves and see how we rank everything in the genre, you know? So um, I think I think the solo format works really well for what you do personally. Well, I appreciate that. I, I do often think um, I, I would like to have a co-host, and I have uh, sent feelers out to various friends of mine and whatnot, and they, they've responded like, oh, yeah, of course I want to do this or this that game, whatever their favorite game may be. Um, but as of yet, you know, how people are, it's very difficult to get them in a room at any given time. So a lot of time it does just end up being, excuse me, me. That that and uh, you're always worried about who's going to take it seriously and who's not, you know, because you you are trying to put out something for other people to listen to, and you're sort of, you know, you don't want somebody just come in and then just you know kind of shit all over something you've been working on, you know. So there's always that fear, for sure. Yeah, like, and and it would be nice to to do it with someone that's as passionate about gaming as uh, I am myself, and uh, you know, I'm I'm based out of Arkansas. And there really aren't a lot of major retro collectors in this area. You know, very, very small community here. So there's not a lot of people to reach out to. Yeah, no, for real. And that's, that's you know, understandable. Because, I mean, like I said, it's a very niche thing to do. So, you know, it's very hard to find people. Because I think, I think our origin story is pretty similar. Because I think it was... It was me and Nick were at a bar one night. And we were just... Because this is the kind of stuff that we always talked about when we were... We were, you know, we would be out doing stuff like, you know, we'd be arguing the merits of different battle systems and um, talk a lot about what we we're going to get into later. And it just sort of dawned on us one day to we should record this and, you know, sort of put it out for other people to listen to. And that's when we thought of Glenn because, you know, we're both really good friends with Glenn and Glenn comes to the table with a very different perspective. Yes, where, he does. Where, yeah, uh, he's, he's great. Where uh, me and Nick are very much fans of the you know jrpgs um glenn comes to this comes to the table with a very uh pc oriented western oriented view on rpgs in general and so that means he has a very distinguished uh 
taste and affinity for certain games where me and where that me and Nick don't. And we really wanted a uh, sort of counterbalance in opinions because if we just both came on and just agreed on everything and just splooged all over the games we like then what fun is that you know so um and i think a little bit of that will show up has shown up in our soikin 2 review that aired two weeks ago now so um that it'll be you know it just it just brings a dynamic to it so Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, and he, he picks games seemingly that you and Nick wouldn't choose a lot of the time, and I really enjoy hearing your take on a game that you wouldn't choose to play for yourself. So, yeah, he he really adds that uh, that spice to what you got going on. And it, it, it it's taken, oh god, it's taken every 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 bit of uh, uh, power I have in my body to not every time like I put up a game for recommendation for it not to be a Final Fantasy game. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. Like, it's just like, no, Brent, you have to expand your horizons. And the first time I dropped, so I get in the bucket, I'm like, well, there goes the next two months. Cause I just knew how that was going to play out. But, you know, coming out of Monster Seed, I was like, I got to play something good. I can't do this. Yeah, Monster course, Seed is. Anything we played after Monster Seed would have been good. Oh, God. Monster Seed was like a Flash game put on a PlayStation 1 disc. Oh, yeah. Anyway. It's not a good game. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. No, I have played Flash games that were infinitely superior. For sure, for sure. So, um, so, uh, this is kind of the part where I put you on the spot, right? As a, as an audience member and somebody that's given us feedback before, um, other than uh, constantly, I and I am constantly trying to improve how the show sounds. What sort of things would you like to see added to the show? Like any sort of segments, any particular games you'd like to see covered, anything like that? Um. You know, not really. I, I don't want to just gush about your show or anything, but you guys, like like we uh, were just talking about, have a dynamic that's really good. Um, I, 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 in particular, like to hear about just the RPGs. Your most recent episode was more about tabletop gaming. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I listened through it, but for me, that wasn't something I would be yeah. interested in, but I could see what others would be. So yeah. you, you know, uh, the first, uh, doing different type of uh, subjects there... Um, is is probably good because you're, you're reaching feelers out into different areas. So I really can't say anything overtly bad. I really enjoyed your trivia episode. I wouldn't mind hearing um, more trivia. Yeah, so. we're gonna we're gonna do some more of that where we're gonna switch up uh, who's hosting the trivia, who's answering the trivia, and that kind of thing. And we think that's a that's a thing we can keep pulling back in, but we don't want to do it all the time. Yeah, for sure. And if you ever are at a loss for trivia questions i i know that i could easily come up with 20 or more oh no we i don't i don't need that i don't need to look that (laughs) down all right look because you're going to bring a a level of knowledge that i am unprepared for (laughs) like uh and uh so i mean and we didn't feel like that necessarily would make a good um like series sort of like mage fest was where we went back to back to back with it like i don't feel like trivia would work as well for that because that would get old fast it could yeah um but I think, you know, I think it works. Um, I think it's fair to say that everyone here at the RPG show is a fan of yours. So without well, further that. ado, um, now that we've gotten to, to know you and you've been able to do your little expose on our show, if you will, um, we can move on to the main bit here. And, you know, recently, because I've been watching a lot, at least through the lens of having to look up stuff for this show, you know, um, like just keep an eye on things RPG related, whether that be news sites, um, 
tabletop games that are being released. Um, sort of where the collective mindset is for how games are played and what it makes a modern game, right? And through all of this, I keep seeing this recurring theme where it it may very well be a vocal minority as things are, you know, because it's always easy for your perspective on any particular thing to be skewed based on the people that are actually posting and saying things. Sure. Um, but it seems like there seems to be like a, a regular outcry for sort of like a return to form, right? Especially, you know, if we, especially if we talk about things like the Final Fantasy 15 and the FF7 remake where they can, like, especially the FF7 remake, they came out and said it's not even going to be close to the same game. They completely revamped the, the combat system, all that, you know, 15 is basically the Kingdom Hearts system. Um, and then, you know, even the move for that sort of turn-based style to the mobile, uh, sort of mobile scene with handhelds and on your phone isn't a true translation because there's always a lot of action-oriented elements in there or sort of like the freemium model sort of bolstering the ability to play that narrative experience that we all sort of enjoy as part of the genre. And recently there's sort of been a few, two or three um, indie titles that have gotten a lot of steam because they they come out promising this return to form, right? Where, you know, pre-rendered backgrounds, um, good-looking models, solid art, uh, narration, not overly poppy and, uh, you know, anime, sort of. And mm -hmm. it's it gets me excited, but it also sort of, like, gives you that, well, I hope I'm not, you know, getting behind something that's ultimately going to let me down like every other thing that's, you know, told me it's a return to form has. Yeah. So... I thought, what if we sat down here? Because this is an audio sort of thing, so we trademark every idea we put here. Just kidding, we're not actually doing that. But uh, um, I think we sit down at a table and, you know, sort of briefly, like we don't want to be doing this for two hours, like, or four hours, like some people would. Um, and sort of what our ideal game would be, okay? And okay. I have it sort of broken down into five uh, points, right? We have type. So is it an RPG? Is it an action-based game? Is it whatever? Whatever your ideal game is. Um, what is its battle system or combat system? How do characters progress and get stronger? Um, what sort of outside, ch outside of battle challenges are there? Are there puzzles? Do you have to train in skills? Um, and then what's the story like? Do you have an idea for a story? Or, or is it just you have... Uh, you know, like, is it open? Is it closed? Sort of, is it, what is it? And so, I don't know. I just, whatever. It's, it's chatting it up, seeing what each of you would like, you know, a game to be made. Because I have a history in programming, and I've, the number of times I've sat down to make a game and just ran out of time or not had the artist, artistic uh, aptitude to create assets that I need and that sort of thing has stopped me in, in my tracks. So, first off, I'll start. Um, I would make an RPG, you know, flat flat out. Like, that's be the game I'd make. What about you guys? Uh, for sure, an RPG, yeah. I mean, it's easily my favorite genre. What about you, Glenn? 
RPG with turn-based elements. I would like to combine the gameplay of Final Fantasy Tactics with the Legend of Mana series, or the Sword of the Mana series, basically. Right, now, I think both of us are already on the same track, because I would also like a turn-based tactical battle system, but maybe not as large as, um, say, Tactics. Like In my mind, what I'd like to see is you have a small squadron, least uh, probably around six to nine members, depending, and you have a grid that is maybe at most 10 by 10, right? And not a whole lot. There is some sort of, because a lot of in tactics and like, um, like um, ogre tactics and all these, these ones like this, like terrain is a major factor. Like uh, for me, it would be more like condensing almost like the Dungeons and Dragons battle system where it's, it's just solely so, um, you can spread out into formations. Your abilities can affect multiple tiles in multiple ways. Um, you can sort of divide and conquer enemies by um, controlling them, by separating them from units, and do that sort of tactical-based um, fighting system. What about you, Retroco? Uh Yeah, you guys just basically described uh, what I was going to suggest. It sounds like you kind of talking about a fixed system uh, for Lunar, kind of like the, they have mm-hmm. their gridded. Yeah. battle system yeah uh much the same i would like a uh, lunar system with more control yeah and that's that that's why that's why when i when i put this up like after a little after thought about it, i was like oh my god we're all gonna make the same game but oh well that's it sort of points out like for somebody an incredibly talented individual out there with lots of time what people want because it's what i want um yeah, sure. Because that's, you know, it's being professional and whatnot, right? Um, uh, as far as, you know, character progression, um, me and Nick had this idea a while ago where, you know, because your typical thing is to, you do levels or you have like Final Fantasy of the job system, um, you know, Skyrim, you have sort of like the skill-based point system. Um, me and Nick had this idea f- to sort of, take the in the same way that um the first you know um console rpgs were an attempt to take the western rpg pc model and make it playable with four buttons right um our idea was to make it uh something as expansive as and open as a tabletop experience to make it sort of uh Condensed, you know, easy to learn, hard to master is always the the terminology used there. And we had this idea for a book system, right? So you have, uh, you know what, I might actually still have that. Hold on. I'm like, yeah, this is great radio where I pull up the thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Like I had, we had this whole fucking spreadsheet, dude. We're nerds. Like you don't even understand. Oh, no. I'm I've seen this spe- well. spreadsheet. All right. So. You have, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five books, right? So you have Book of War, Book of Arcane, Book of the Divine, Book of Nature, and a Book of Technology. And during these fights, um, you're gaining experience and you're leveling up. And that, that sort of affects your stats, right? And But secondarily, uh, during every fight, your character is training in one of these books. So they would have it sort of, it would be assigned to a slot. And um, you can always, like, when the, a character is created, so let's say um, 
you create a, a character sort of like you're going to the tavern and recruiting one in in Final Fantasy Tactics or um, their characters given to you like a typical RPG with certain characteristics and archetypes. Well, they have two books assigned that they can learn from at any time. Um, and it's your choice which you know which you learn in if you want to split it up and divide it, whatever. But you get a total of what five ranks to go through. And okay. as you play, you sort of gain experience in that book as well. Um, not necessarily like job points, but over time, like it levels and the characters master that that book. So, um, and that's sort of how, what assigns you your class. Your class literally means nothing. It's literally a tag that's sort of next to your character. It tells you sort of in one word how your character is sort of progressing. So, um, say you've reached rank two in your book of war and rank uh three in your arcane book you your class would be a sword mage it would show sword mage and um then you take as a secondary sort of way of um acquiring things to do you get each time uh, a book ranks up you get um to choose from three spells right so Ultimately, the character will end up with 15 spells, right? Um, and so you choose one, you know, based on the rank of the book, blah, 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 blah. And then every time you level up, you get a feat point or a skill point. And then you could use that point to purchase anything from a list of... Um, just think... The only way I can think of it is they... Um, like feats in Dungeons and Dragons, where you just have this massive list of things that affect your spells, affect how you move, affect mm -hmm. how you defend, affect what you can wear, affect how you can equip, and you can just choose one from that that list, and um, that way you're sort of you have. I think what did we end up with here? Like a hundred and twenty some classes without actually having a hundred and twenty some classes. Um, all you're really doing is unlock. Like by leveling that book, you're unlocking different tiers of abilities. Um, now, I assume, like, <laughs> I know I'm the only one that has come to the table with that level of thought implied because that was like a year long worth of bar discussions that assembled this piece of gloriness right here, okay? So, um, like, the number of napkins that have this, this has this, you know, scribbled on it is absurd. So. Like, what do you guys, what would sort of progression guys would you like, would you guys like to see for yourself? Would it be something that's sort of cut and dry like Final Fantasy where your character levels and then just as they progress in the story, um, they can buy new spells, buy new equipment to make them more powerful? Or would you see, rather see it something, uh, be something more intrinsic to, intrinsic to the character themselves? Like the more powerful the character becomes, the more experienced they are the more they have access to necessarily without having to get to some village in the top right corner of the map with a special store. Okay, um, I didn't know who. Yeah, I just kind of threw that on the ether. My bad. Glenn, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I would probably go with a system similar to the old Dungeon Siege games uh, with a little bit of Skyrim thrown in. So the way the old Dungeon Siege works, it had a leveling system with... Uh, you know, you gained experience and all that, but when you leveled up, you got a point. You could put it into multiple trees, and what trees you focused on would affect what your class was. So if you focus entirely on nature mage, 
and you'll become, say, you know, an apprentice, then a druid, then a warden, so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Or you decide to go with combat and range, you might become, you know, ranger, striders, so on and so forth. Uh-huh. Um, the only thing I would change, though, is Dungeon Siege had a tendency to, shall we say, punish people who tried to go a little too broad. Um, whereas I would prefer a method that would allow you to basically, instead of becoming a master of one, you could become a jack of all trades and you'd still be able to do something. I mean, I find that, uh, just in general for game balance, anytime a game allows you to jack of all trades and still be an effective, like, or at least as effective as somebody who has very specifically done two things, then there is no reason not to be a jack of all trades. You're not rewarded appropriately for focusing on any one tree or any one skill. And I find that personally be a problem. I I would, I personally say that kingdoms of Amalur disagrees with you. They did a very good job of balancing out. Yes, but you know, you're someone who focuses all on might versus someone who fights who focuses on might and sorcery are two separate characters that are equally powerful. Yes, but they also only had three trees. You follow right. me? Like, if you only have three trees, then it's easier to balance combinations between the two or between two of three trees than it is to balance somebody who wants to put um, spread out their points between ten different options. Well, I, I, Dungeon Siege only has four, so... Well, even like, four. I, I wasn't expecting some million different trees. I'd probably have, like, a combat tree, a magic tree, and then those would maybe split up into two and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, this isn't something I've sat down and put a lot of thought in. I just kind of right. came up with it off the top of my head. No, that's fine. Uh, what about you, Retrica? Um, Well, I, I just wanted to basically state the same thing you did. You know, it's a major pet peeve of mine when uh, I'm playing a game and, like, a good example would be uh, Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, where you can have a character like Sabin, who's a martial artist, casting Ultima and the highest level heal spells in life. And then you have characters like Strago that using, you know, various equipment throughout the game, you can equip with the Illumina Sword and the heaviest of armors. It just doesn't make sense for a 98-year-old wizard to be wearing, you know, battle armor and carrying this huge broadsword. So a system that allows that is what, whereas it's fun, it, it doesn't make sense to me. You know, I want my wizards to be frail and I want my warriors to not, you know, to be dumb and not know how to cast spells and what have you. We like those, uh, those archetypes. And when character archetypes are meant to bridge those two gaps, like I think there's nothing wrong with somebody say that's a sword mage shows up, you know, like they, they're proficient in, um, magic and they're proficient in weaponry and it's i think it's okay for them to be extremely proficient in both but they should have a deficiency somewhere else either they're slow um you know and they can't wear a lot of armor like they you know there should be some give and take there um because i think we would agree on the fact that not every hero should be a god you know there's exactly they there should be some sort of they should have their own Strength and weaknesses, which I think will show up a little more in um, as our tabletop series goes on. And again, if it's not everybody's bag, like I said, it's it's labeled differently, so you know how to not listen. Um, but sort of what everybody's listened to already is just simply us sitting down and goofing around. It isn't us sort of trying to um, set forth a narrative experience. 
play a game as it's intended to be played. And I think um, those deficiencies, especially in how um, characters, people like me, myself, and Dan um, role play, sort of show up there as well. Um, but uh, how about you, uh, Retrokel? How would you set up a character progression system? I, I really didn't give it much thought. You know, it, it, just right off the I, top of your head, just any crazy outlandish idea you have. I, I really don't have any. I, I do like being able to uh, have some uh, choices to, you know, make my character not just like linear, like in, say, the Lunar series or something, where, you know, they learn these specific spells and they get this exact amount of. Um, power on this level and etc you know I, I like branching trees so definitely some system where i had a little bit of control over that but again i i really dislike systems that allow you to um just basically as you said make a god so uh something some happy medium i'd have to give it more thought than the uh, small amount i've given it no i hear you I understand that and that's sort of i think that's sort of what um i was going for in my system where it's like open but if i let's say i had a huge cast of playable characters something like a soikoden series or <laughs> such where you know over the course of the game you recruit you know 108 characters and you have five books and any character can have a combination of two so let's say i put you i, I pitch you an idea there's a character um he is uh, a sort sort of pious guy like you know he he um accepts the church as a faith but he's also but he at, at heart he's a warrior right he's a fighter and through the course of the game, um, as you level that character and progress him in his training, so let's say his two books that his character would have access to would be the Book of War and the Book of the Divine. So um, by the end of the game, by the time he's max level, I mean, he can either go all the way into war, like five books in the war and be a warlord, or he could do some combination of the two, like, you know, he uh, one uh, he could actually go five into Divine if he wanted to and come out you know a savior or um you know some combination be a white knight a paladin a battle cleric and sort of that character you know you could even change his sort of sprite based on those sort of things but that way you have a character that has a a a, a sort of character type and then he has uh, a very easily defined and i'm thinking about all this from the back end as somebody who has to code this and put this into a database all you're simply is assigning him two values that he has access to based on the narrative that he's assigned, right? Well, so, um, no, I, I like your system. It's very well thought out. Limiting them to you know two books out of the five certainly uh, prevents you from being just an outright god, you know, and being you know maxed out in all five classes per se. So, yeah, that's that's uh, an agreeable system. I mean, and like I don't know, like. I, 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 I just don't know. Like it's, it's, you know, it's like I said, it's something I've unfortunately given a lot of thought to because, you know, I spent a lot of time on the road and I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I have a lot of time on my own thoughts. So this sure. is the sort of places that, uh, my brain goes. Um, now this is one I have no idea about cause I like, this is not, uh, when I think about designing something for other people to play, I necessarily am not the best at designing um, methods of challenge, something to apply um, a level, a certain level of difficulty to the player. Um, so do you, uh, Glenn, do you have any ideas about how you would challenge the player outside of sort of a combat 
based uh, scenario. Given my love of Bioware, I have a great many. Well, go go through one a of few. the main ones. Starts with the good old Tower of Hanoi, which I think I just pissed off a lot of people by saying. No, I mean there's a lot of puzzles you can do. Tower of Hanoi puzzles are like an old standby. Um, there's the old switch puzzles. You know, which one lights up this? Which one lights up this? And then you can do things like skill challenges. So, like if you have someone who has say high strength, they might be able to push over a column. You have someone with high explosive skill, they can blow up the column. You have someone with magic, they can cast magic at the column. You know, they all have the same outcome, but you have to go about it a little bit differently based on your particular character. One thing that this whole thing has pointed out that's amusing to me is the difference in that Western versus Eastern thinking. Like, you guys seem to approach it from an Eastern standpoint, whereas I'm approaching it from the Western where you have your one player character and everyone else is just a tag along. Like, I don't know. That's just amusing to me. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I've also, f- I find the narrative where there's one person, like the chosen one that defect, you know, affects the, the outcome of the universe by himself. Like, I've never liked that story. You know, like a, a very influential person and his friends or his compatriots that are as equally powerful as they are. I buy that story a lot more, you know, um, Plus, you get you get to see so many more characters, right? Like when you're, you know, you just have one silent or semi-silent protagonist, or not even like you just have the one protagonist. I don't like. I don't know because I'm not going to invest myself in that one character any in in a character anyway. I'm going to invest myself in the overall story. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Shepard right. is crying right now. Maybe Retro Kel feels a little differently than I do. Uh no. Um... <laughs> We're pretty much on the same page. <laughs> oh, man, See, that's, it's, that, that's one of the things. Like, um, I, I think you can have the chosen one super strong character while still having an amazing cast of characters. The Fallout series did a pretty good job. Um, yeah. I like the, you know, the Elder Scrolls, I think, did a really good job with that. There's a lot of memorable characters in that. There's the Mass Effect series. There's the KOTOR series. There's all of that. But in the Mass Effect series, you you have a team of friends that are very yeah. I'm not saying you don't have a team of friends. It's just you don't generally control them beyond giving them orders. You don't generally equip them beyond this, that, and the other. You primarily focus on your one character instead of multiple characters, like you would in a Final Fantasy. Okay, all right. I can see where you're coming from. I got it. I got it. Um. What would you do to challenge the player, um, RetroKill? Like, how would you s- establish challenges for the player? Uh, I I don't know. Like, I'm not a huge fan of uh, puzzles in general, just because you know every game seems to have them. Um, I did like the way uh, the Golden Sun series approached it, where yeah. you know you would learn these different spells depending on whether or not you found this gin or whatever, or went into this, and you could use say like a grow spell to grow this leaf to get up to another area that's completely optional and stuff like that. I like puzzles of that nature. Um, and, you know, I like side quests in the vein of, say, Chrono Trigger or the Final Fantasy series. So something of that nature would be fun for me. Um, other than that, I, I'm really a fan of, like, uh, straightforward, linear-type RPGs, really, uh, with optional side quests and such. So. Okay, okay. Um, do you find, do you often consider, like, the maziness or non-maziness of a dungeon to be an additional challenge? Like, it's a puzzle in its own right? 
Well, yeah, yes and no. Like I've got this old adage I came up with as a kid, and I, I don't know that it's actually true, but I always used to say, uh, when in doubt, left is the route. Because when you are approaching a maze, for some reason, it seems like these game designers will always put the treasure chest down the left route. So I always go left first, and 90% of the time that seems to pay off. So I don't I don't know if that's true or not. But um, mazes tend to piss me off, especially if you have uh, random battle encounters within the, the dungeon. Yeah. You know, uh, you got games that blessedly allow you to turn it off like the uh the recent bravely default or you know again in the final fantasy 3 slash 6 where you can equip the moogle charm uh things like that make mazes more interesting to me it's uh really really annoying if i go through a maze and then later learn through a fact or something like that that i missed you know one of the components for the ultimate sword or something and now i have to go back to this dungeon that i've already defeated some you know three hours back you know stuff like that so i mean it's challenging but it can it can get on my nerves you know i'm I, I would prefer to just kind of get through that and get back to the story. Yeah, and I I understand, and but at some at some level, um, we need those breaks in storytelling to sort of invest yeah. us. I think in the game more. Like if we didn't have those, then I think uh, we would get bored. Oh, for sure. Otherwise, you'd be watching like a really, really bad movie, you know, or Very reading a really bad book. Some poorly translated movie as it goes yeah. in our in our line of work. Um, now, we all have these and maybe not. I shouldn't say we all, but I think most of us have these stories in our head that we would like to see play out or have seen playing out. And we have sort of like some variation on the story we or we have some amalgam of things like our favorite movies, our favorite books, our favorite comic books, our favorite video games, and we sort of mesh them into our own narrative in our heads. Um, now, Glenn, you're currently DMing a Dungeons and Dra- our Dungeons and Dragons game. Would your game have a story similar to what you're playing us through, or would you? Do you have another idea for how your game would play out as far as the narrative involved? The storyline we're using is one I actually built for a game a long time ago. Okay. Sweet. So there you go. Well, that answers the question, so we don't want to spoil too much there. How about you, RetroCode? Have you have had any stories like that? You just wanted a medium in which to tell? Um. Well, when I was a very young man, I had a friend that was into programming uh, like yourself, I, I guess, and not very... Um, creative when it came to thinking of stories and we had decided that we were going to make a game together and that never came to fruition Uh, but what's that i said like it does yeah yeah um basically you know i'm I'm an artist and i came up with a lot of concept art for it and um he did nothing oh wow (laughs) there you go but um the story was was based off of a uh, dream that i'd had as, as a child um, that was very uh, lucid, in which uh, I, was, I was seemingly in someone else's body on some kind of um, uh, exploratory quest in like an Arctic type region, and it seemed to be like kind of a Magitech kind of scenario where you know magic and um, steampunk type stuff exist, you know, coexisted, and and we were going to this cavern, and uh, and uh, in, after a long arduous you know, journey through this cavern, we came up to this uh, figure encased in ice and then we uh, broke it free and it was of alien origin and uh, and then it escaped our camp and ended up being um, 
and then I, I, I woke up, but when it woke up, but, uh, I, I continued the story that it escaped the camp and ended up living with, uh, like this villagers on the outskirts, kind of Eskimo type people. Um, the little girl kind of befriended it and would bring it food and stuff such. And then, uh, it ended up learning the language and so on and so forth. And that's about as fleshed out as we ever got. But I did come up with some concept art for the, uh, the alien traveler that was encased in ice and a little bit of the beginning story, but that's about it. So was the, the main player character, the, the traveler, or was that sort of like the focus of the story? Yeah. The main, the main uh, player would be the traveler. And then your secondary initial character being the uh, little girl who is okay. you know, functioned at basically as a healer. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so this is also the second part in the show where I run out of breath um, because uh, I've, dm quite i'd say a bit um in my history and most recently we had a um a story that we necessarily couldn't finish it was hard to like ally and all the people that we had playing is um their time frames so glenn if you ever want to know how that story was going to end you're getting ready to find out uh essentially um what happens is the this cult starts showing up, right? Where it's a typical fantasy setting where um, you have this world that was built... Oh, that sounds delicious. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That fucking bugle or something? What you got there, man? Uh, cough drop. Cough drop? Oh, okay. Well, that's never mind then. I thought it was definitely crunchy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> we, uh, so this cult starts showing up. It's basically a typical fantasy world where um, there, it's, it was created by gods a long time ago. It was a very specific set of gods. Um, and outside of that set of gods, there are a multitude of other sort of demigods, but they're not actually true gods. Um, and a long, basically a long time ago, the story starts, well, the player story starts much after this, but in the, the grand history of the world, these five gods um, were sort of in this, this divine uh, astral place of being... Uh, when they encountered sort of these true evils, like these these gods, uh, evil, sort of uh, what is it? Sort of like Lovecraftian ancient evils that sort of arose from the nothingness to bring balance to the universe that was, you know, sort of these these deities. And um, in the ensuing war, they uh, managed to defeat those evil gods and encase them in the moon. So the moon is in fact a giant prison that no one knows about, right? And so the story takes place as those gods are starting to find a way to escape the moon. And um, maybe say 20 so years before the story starts, um, divine magic and arcane magic start to become more unreliable. And nobody knows why. Um, like prayers aren't being answered um mages aren't able to use spells that kind of stuff it starts to become very unreliable and as it sort of turns because most of this is behind the scenes like your player the player characters find this sort of out through whatever way they encounter because it would sort of be 
not not an open story, but you sort of are picking up details as the characters are sort of combating this ongoing threat of these cultists and people showing up in sort of by accident, as most protagonists and RPGs do. Um, they sort of stumble upon like a key to the puzzle and they don't know what they have. And all they know now is people are trying to kill them. And <clears throat> so as it turns out, the only way that these evil entities have found to enter the physical plane is through the astral plane. Cause they want to take what the gods made and make it theirs. And so the reason, wow, I don't know why I can't fucking breathe in it. The, <laughs> the reason the, all the magic and stuff has stopped working is because there is this massive war being fought in essentially the astral plane or the heavens or whatever you want to say, you know, and through the course of stopping the threat on, or it's sort of like a story told in three acts. Cause I know I'm jumping all over the place. Um, but, they stop the threat on the physical plane and then they get sort of pulled into the war in heaven and then they sort of end up as sort of like the strike force to go through and stop the evil on the lunar plane itself. But that's sort of just watered it down. Like I had like almost a novel's worth of fucking story elements to throw into that game, but that was sort of the gist of it. Um, eh, whatever. I mostly remember I hated berries. Oh yeah. That's a funny story. Like they're they're at the Isle of um, Island of Melora, which is the name of the uh, the nature deity or whatever. And uh, they're like, long story short, long story short, we get to this berry bush that's been enchanted, and we start eating it. And you can't stop eating it. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. And uh, two of our friends come and rescue us, and apparently it's like maggots or something. No, it's and just, of it's, course it's, Nick, it's, the other guy passes his role no issue but i'm sitting here one three they're not they weren't maggots they they were the entire battle they weren't they weren't maggots they were just they were just berries but they were enchanted to keep you like distracted because it was like a monster bush and like its other monster friends were attacking your friends and sort of like they were pheromone laced berries and like I just wanted you to save to like realize that you were under some sort of enchantment, and he just failed and failed and failed. So everyone around him is just battling their ass off because he's like the healer, right? Glenn was right. playing the healer at the time, and so everybody's just getting their ass whooped because these things are hitting like trucks, right? Like they are just getting smashed, and their healer's just sitting over there fucking shoving berries in his face, like these are the best berries I've ever had in my life. Like right. it's fucking hilarious. It's just the shit that happens in our world. You don't understand. No, I, I completely do. I, I, it reminds me of a story, possibly one of the only ones I remember playing D&D, where um, we, we had encountered an enemy and were all but uh, dead, and I had a secondary ability, of, or a thirdary, or I don't know, ability of soothsaying, um, where I could predict the future, but I only had a chance of it coming true, one in um, 100 chance, so I had to roll a 1D100, and I predicted that... Uh, I can't even recall, like some kind of, some animal would fall from the sky and land square on this enemy we were fighting, and I actually hit the roll, and, and this elephant or whatever it was got summoned out of the air by my uh, soothsaying ability and won us the day. So That's hilarious. That's, that's the kind of things that happen when you play D&D. Yeah, and that's that's sort of that's sort of why we, we always return to that as sort of like a base, like, to be fair, the, like, tabletop role-playing games sort of formed the basis for a lot of what the first um, computer 
role-playing games were based off of. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because, you know, we're all, what is it, like Tom Hanks said, we're all, like, stuck up in the sewer somewhere or whatever his fucking problem was with, with uh, tabletop gaming. Who knows? But No idea. That's sort of our, our, our game. Like, like I've just described uh, uh, Adventures in Beltoria. I don't know. I'm not terrible with names. And I'm barely, barely functional with Photoshop. So... <laughs> Well, um, anytime you involve the moon in an RPG, you've got a winner on your hands, so good job on you. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, because it all started from, like, you know how, like, you said you had this very lucid dream, like, I didn't have a lucid, I just had this picture in my head of, like, these people fighting, like, like, it's, like, this warscape on, on the, you know, the, on the planet, and up in the air is like this moon that is just like cracked open with all these like tentacles like sticking out of it, you know, like, right and that's sort of, sort of what what the, what the basis of the whole story actually came from is just that visual, and I don't even know where I got the visual from, to be honest with you, um, but, oh well, it's sort creating of creating my story was a bit similar. It it came both from a dream, but also. From a distinct disappointment that Final Fantasy twelve didn't feature any massive giant airship battles. <laughs> well, Final Fantasy twelve yeah. has its own perks and promises, but we'll get there someday. Now, we just finished Swicked in two. We have yet to choose a game. I'm gonna give you this opportunity, Retro Kill. Do you want to choose a game for us, or do you want us to do it our normal way? Oh wow. Uh that's completely unexpected. Um I don't know. I, I have several recommendations as far as RPGs go. Um, I, I would hate to make you guys play a game that you would end up hating. No, it's been a while since we've hated a game, so that would be fair. To be fair, <laughs> it is Glenn's well, turn to pick. So if you wanna, if you wanna be the 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 uh, the recommendee. Well, there there is a game I'm looking at right now. I'm just I glanced around my. Um, my game room here that is a favorite of mine, but uh, I very rarely hear about it called Paladin's Quest for the Super Nintendo. Um, it plays a lot like Dragon Warrior in its battle system, although uh, in this one you're able to use things like even your head as a weapon and such. Uh, it's a very unique game. Uh, I love it. You guys may not, but it's one I'd like to hear about. I've never heard a podcast on it, and it's not really appropriate for my show because it only goes for about 30 40 bucks. So. Uh, okay. Uh, do you have a second title he could choose from? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear about Lunar. I'd love to. Let me look around here. Uh, Dragon Warrior 4 is a favorite of mine. Um, let's see, on the Genesis, you've got the Fantasy Star 4. I don't think you guys have covered that one. We, haven't touched, wonderful uh, game. we haven't touched the Fantasy Star series yet. Well, if if you do touch that series, start with four because it's the only playable one these days. The others of, I mean, they're still fine, but like if you were to pick up Final Fantasy uh, or not Final Fantasy, Fantasy Star two or three, especially, uh, they haven't aged well in that like grinding is basically all you do. Yeah. Um, so it's those are great. Like playing one of the first Ultima games, it would be almost impossible. Oh yeah, for sure. But uh, four is blessedly uh, not quite as bad. Um, so those are great. Brain Lord is another obscure one for the SNES. Uh, I'm looking at it's uh, a good one. Uh, Ark the Lad for the PlayStation. The the first Ark the Lad game is a uh, 
Art the Lead uh, is amazing. Um, my yeah. only thing is, I was going to tell us when we chose games, uh, we should we gotta like throw it back a little bit older again because we've played a lot of PlayStation games recently. So we should probably try and go back to the Nintendo or Super Nintendo. So I like oh, sure. I like I like Paladin's Quest and Fantasy, Fantasy Star Four. How about you, Glenn? Yeah. Which uh, which which one do you want us to play next? Uh, I actually played some of the later Fantasy Stars, so it'd be interesting to see about where that got good. Uh, four is the epitome, I assure you. It is quite a good game. All right, so let's play yeah. Fa- Fantasy Star 4 is our next game. Uh, you heard it here second, folks. I don't know. <laughs> Fantasy awesome. Star 4. Um, the only reason I, I, I brought it up, because I, I knew you weren't expecting it, but, you know, like, uh, it just, we... Hello, future people. We're actually recording this before the Soikid and 2 review, and we just finished Soikid 2. I was throwing it out there, see if we had a, a recommendation to play, because we've been pitching it from the beginning. If you will have recommendations for us to play, please send us an email. Email is podcast at therpgshow.com. And with that, does anybody have anything else to to throw out there? Um, Retro Cal, why don't you tell people where they can they can find you and reach you? Oh, sure. I'm I'm on the Is It Worth It podcast. It is part of the uh, Retro RPG podcast hosted by Derek and Don. You can reach me at Simon Belmont, not Simon, but Simon with an E, at Outlook.com. I'm also on YouTube and some other things, but you don't really want to see all that stuff. So, oh, And I'm at, at RetroKel on Twitter. At RetroKel on Twitter. All right. Let me open up our little outro music here. Oh, yeah. Let's turn that down. That ballin ballin ska music who doesn't love ska all right all right want to join in oh sorry got ahead of myself like the show or should we really stop recording our voices and posting on the internet doesn't matter either way leave a rating review on itunes each one counts and we love you for it want to join in in the conversation send us an email to podcast at the show.com you can follow us on twitter at the rpg podcast or you can always visit our home on the web at therpgshow.com. And until next time, say bye, everybody. Bye. Everybody. Bye.